Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. An ongoing conversation with ministry leaders about embracing complexity and uncertainty with joy and faithfulness. Welcome to another Ministry Collaborative Roundtable podcast with my colleagues. We have a full house here today, other than Ryan Bonfilio, who's off on an immersion experience. I am here with my colleagues, Adam Borneman, Adam Mixon, Jennifer Watley-Maxell, Beth Daniel, and our newest colleague, Amy Valdez-Barker. Thrilled to have her join us on this team and in this ministry. We're going to go around today a little bit different and just talk about why each of us is drawn to the work we're doing. And it'll be a way, I think, for us to kind of reconstitute the team. We won't be doing this often, but I think it's a good thing for us to start that way. So the question I'd like to ask each of us just to reflect on briefly is, what in your past and present drew you to this work and why? And what are you seeing as a ministry impact based on what we're trying to do together? So let's begin with Jennifer Watley-Maxell. Jennifer, can you kind of address this? I can. Hi, everybody. I initially came to this work through a cohort. And for me, it was literally a life-transforming experience as a church co-founder and co-planter and co-pastor who is also bivocational. There was just so much exhaustion in doing the work of ministry. And I was really depleted. I joined a cohort and it literally transformed my life, the relationships, the experience. And what I started to realize was that in my context, in particular in the Black church, there were so many of my fellow clergy who had no idea that this type of resource, that this type of care, that this type of opportunity to pour into themselves and pour into their ministry was available. And so as I was discerning vocationally what I wanted to do next, where I felt God was leading me, I just reached out to the ministry collaborative and raised my hand and was like, hey, I love what's happening. It's been a huge impact to me. I want to do more. How can I be down? And we had some conversations. We did some stuff. And here I am. And for me, the impact is so many of the people that I have been privileged to walk along this journey with have had the same experience that I have. They have literally said ministry collaborative transformed my life. It saved my ministry. It gave me vital life-giving energy to keep going or to reimagine or to do some things differently. And so that's why I'm drawn to this work. And I think now with everything that's going on culturally, it's needed even more. Thanks, Jen. I can say this for all of us. But for you especially, I want to say when you joined, it began to open up the ministry in really powerful ways. But I can say that about each and every one of you in really important ways. Our newest colleague is Amy Valdez-Barker, who has been with us a whole four days. So welcome. Amy, tell us a little bit about what drew you to this work and why. Yeah, so I initially came to this work originally through Adam and Ryan through my work at Candler School of Theology. And I've been looking for places and spaces that want to really get innovative and creative about how ministry is being done in different places around the country. I've sort of been isolated in my wonderful little United Methodist bubble. (laughs) And to meet other people across other denominations who are doing incredible, innovative, creative things and looking for where the Holy Spirit is already showing up and at work was totally exciting to me. So hearing about the diversity that comes in the Ministry Collaborative and the culture of curiosity that is part of this community really drew me in. 
I love teaching. I love research. I love innovating and being with people as they discover new aha moments. So that's what I'm really looking forward to is getting to walk the journey with different cohorts of groups who are looking for those moments of, aha, I wonder if we could do it this way. I'm curious about that. And just being on that spiritual journey with these kinds of leaders excites me the most. Thanks, Amy, and welcome. Truly, you're a, you're a blessing to us. Beth Daniel has not been with us that long, but Beth, you're no longer the new kid on the block. Congratulations. <laughs> Can you share with us, please? Absolutely. So the main reason I'm drawn to this work is because I believe God is always doing a new thing. And I think the more that we talk across denominational lines and ministry types, the more we will learn about that new thing God is doing. I think my background is really important to why I'm particularly drawn to the Ministry Collaborative. As most of you know by now, I grew up in Wales in the UK, where the traditional institutional powerful church was facing demise throughout my upbringing. And yet, despite that, maybe even because of that, my faith was planted and grew strong through lay leadership that had been equipped by the pastorate of various churches. We were not arguing about denominational lines. We were all just struggling to survive and find community and grow. And so when I came to the U.S. in the late 90s, early 2000s, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. There were large churches. Everyone went to church. It wasn't a dirty word. They had money. They had power. And at first blush, it looked like they were, quote unquote, alive. In fact, one of my first jobs was to work with an organization to address the pastor shortage that churches were facing, if you can possibly imagine that. So needless to say, 20 years on, things have changed dramatically. The church is in different circumstances. The context the church is ministering has been completely changed. And doing ministry is suddenly disheartening, challenging, exhausting. But I truly believe that this is also an opportunity for creativity and innovation, because I do believe God's always doing a new thing. And so I've taught at the seminary. I've worked in a small struggling church. I've worked in thriving large churches. I've launched a successful church from my living room during the Great Recession of 2007. And I know that God is still working. And I am so grateful to be discerning with a group of other people who are still passionate, curious, faithful, just trying to discern what that new thing is. It is a gift. It's not fun, but it is a gift to be doing it together. Thanks, Beth. I appreciate everything you said there. Adam Mixon. I was drawn to this work through a cohort experience, and I believe that I was part of something of an experiment because the cohort that I was in was radically diverse, and it reached outside of the boundaries of the historical roots of the organization. So I had an incredible life-altering experience that um, really opened a world to me of resource and support that, quite frankly, in my denomination and where I sit socially, doesn't exist. Mm. And I had such a profound experience. I don't know really how it happened. I started getting asked to do little workshops and one-offs. And then in a couple of years, I got asked to join the faculty staff and been doing the work ever since. I believe that ministry is inherently isolating as much as we're surrounded by people. And better cared for people 
essentially make better pastors. So that's why I keep doing this. Thank you, Adam. Adam Borderman. You know, Mixon forgot the most important part of his story, and that is that he got to be in a cohort with me in, in Birmingham, uh, which frankly would have been a pretty amazing experience for him. That's the hurdle I overcame. Indeed, the Lord will do amazing things. But truly, I have to say, it was a wonderful experience. As a pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, that decade ago, being invited into one of these types of experiences that my colleagues have described was really transformative for me. What drew me to it in the first place is the sustained nature of it. I had become pretty burnt out on the one-off conferences and other things that were supposed to be a quick fix for ministry. I knew that that was not for me, and I needed something more lasting. And on top of that, the ecumenical and diverse nature of it has helped me tremendously to continue broadening my perspective of ministry, and has proven enormously valuable and instructive for how I've thought about it all these years. These are the things that drew me to the ministry collaborative in the first place, but they draw me to it even to this day. I think we have a role to help pastors and lay leaders build trust across difference, to do something differently in the way we do ministry together, and to do it in a sustained manner for the long term. I appreciate the opportunity to reflect on that, to think about how I was privileged enough to become part of this organization early on as a pastor, but then also as a part of this team, something I'm really enjoying to this day. Thank you, Adam. A couple themes that I'll also echo about my own journey to this. One is I was in a cohort in the congregation I served in Asheville. We got together. I had stayed away from clergy groups my entire career. Uh, as I've said often, meeting in a poorly lit, badly ventilated fellowship hall, eating a stale sandwich, listening to everybody complain about how hard ministry was, didn't really hold much uh, life or hope for me. And then I joined this cohort, which was so life-giving, so honest, invited such vulnerability and trust. So when I started what I thought was going to be the last church call of my vocation, I was pretty shocked when I was invited to consider coming to this organization. It is clearly a call for a lot of the reasons you all have already said. I also, as I was listening to you all, I'm struck, we're all rooted in congregational life. We are not coming at this as experts or consultants. We're coming to this as working pastors who carry that along with an empathy, I think, for working pastors. For me, I am free of the categories of denominationalism and theological uh, institutions, bless their hearts. I learned that in Asheville to say that, and you can then say every, the next six words you say after that, and you're totally good. But also, I wanted to do hopeful work, and this is hopeful work. Even when it's hard, it's hopeful work. So listening to you all, and thank you for sharing as you did, I want to turn back to us the question we most often ask everyone else, which is, what are you seeing and what are you experiencing in your ministry context right now that gives you hope? So in my context, I'm seeing two things. One is a deep frustration with where we are culturally. I think there are so many people who have worked and done so much since the pandemic and with George Floyd and all of that. And to see it being unraveled is incredibly frustrating. But I also feel that it's also incredibly motivating. And what I think I see is that instead of us being reactionary and kind of like, okay, let's all get out there and march some more and sing, I think people are really being more thoughtful, more prayerful, more discerning. Mm about where we go from here and what we do. I hope that brings about more intentionality 
in terms of how we continue to move forward, we are in a pickle and it's not the first pickle God has gotten us out of. I do believe that God will get us out of this one somehow, but it's not going to be fun. And I think what I see is a lot of people who are kind of reconciling this desire for the kind of quick fix, exciting, let's get out here and fix it. And orienting to the fact that, you know what, we've got to be really grounded. We've got to be really focused so that we can really do the work we're being called to do because we're here for such a time as this. This sentiment of frustration deeply resonates with me in this season, but it's a frustration that is somehow generative because the frustration exposes the incongruity of our national kind of philosophy and who it is we claim to be as Christians. That type of disillusion, I think, always allows for a movement toward truth or greater truth. So on the one hand, it's disturbing that we are being confronted with the fact that humanity is not basically good. We will do horrible things to one another and have no conscience about it. But there is a loving Savior Mm. who Mm. can redeem our brokenness. Mm. Mm. So coming back to that and stop trying to prop up all of these idols that we've erected that have kept us from seeing ourselves as we truly are and kept us from real repentance and faith. Just to agree with Adam completely, I think the power and the money and the influence that the church was enjoying allowed us to really move away from Christ. And we were arguing, and as my husband would say, because I'm not American, but I know what this means now, majoring in the minors. We were majoring in the minors. We were arguing, dividing over nonsense, and we were forgetting the who and the why of why we exist, and that is Christ and Him crucified. And the hope that I see is finally people who have lots of differences, real differences, if we can unite around that then we can work out a lot of the issues the church is facing and really reorient ourselves to moving in the direction that God is calling us to instead of having the privilege of arguing over nonsense. Honestly, we were distracted. Mm -hmm. We created problems that weren't there. And bringing us back to our knees is never a fun experience. But I truly believe it's where transformation begins. So I want to piggyback off of what Beth said around diversity. I think that this is the space where I'm finding a whole lot of hope. I've been working with students and with the community in particular, the church in the community. And what I'm also discovering is that we are at this precipice moment where people are hungry for spirituality and deep meaning. And if the church doesn't respond with helping people find that and discover that, and understand their identity in the Imago Dei, then we are completely missing the boat. We are missing the opportunity to really help people on their journey. I've been teaching art and theology, and so many people enter through an understanding of identity and spirituality through the arts. So I think there's so many ways in which God is already showing up and working in the culture. And we, as faithful Christians, need to continue to learn how to pay attention to that and help people uncover where God is already at work and joining in God's work. So I think that's where I find hope is getting to be that explorer who's saying, hey, Holy Spirit, where are you at? Where are you? Can I join you? What are you up to? 
And that is where I am finding hope in what the future has to offer us. Granted, in some ways, I'm echoing what my colleagues have already said. But the way I would put it is to say that over the past several years, I've increasingly seen clergy and lay leaders across our network realizing the necessity of simplifying and going deeper, that we no longer have the luxury of ideological, theological tribalism and echo chambers. And I've seen this play out in some really beautiful ways where the conventionally theologically progressive person and the person who's more traditionalist realize that if they're going to meet the needs in their community, they have to major in the majors, as Beth has put it. So that's something I've seen play out in real time over the past several years more and more, and it does give me a lot of hope. Early, early in the pandemic, just informally as a team, we came up with several sentences of describing what we thought was the situation. Two of them were, God loves the world more than God loves the church. God loves the church just fine. The church is God's idea, but God loves the world more. And the pandemic was not bringing us anything new, but it was accelerating every trend and it was revealing things that had been submerged. So I guess my answer to the question is I am seeing that acceleration and revealing in hyperspeed now as churches are seeking to adapt to it and to actually enjoy it. And I see over and over again churches that have rediscovered their love for Christ's missional purpose in the world. And that's what gives me hope. And then, to be honest, there's a consequence of that. For those churches, for a lot of reasons that are not able to do that, it's a very hard, bleak time. And I think our hearts go out to them. But you've all said this. It's time to get up on it because God has opened up a huge invitation to us to be the church in the most robust, grace-filled, hopeful way we possibly can. And I think, you know, that's what we're trying to do. I've got to say, listening to each of you share, I am more excited to be with this team. You are a phenomenal group of people. I give thanks for you every single day and for the lives of pastors and others and congregations that you are touching. I am deeply grateful. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org. 